How's everyone doing? Let's make some noise, come on. I'm a fun guy. And if you know me, Thanos is my favorite character. You can't get a draw against Trinidad? Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? I don't know, I got no merch. What people ask what Omaha means. No, but I will with your wife. Lillard, long range three, and it's good! Krakowski didn't have the angle, shuts down! Well, here comes a pizza, see it? Highly unnecessary. Hit the post with the shot! Who's the scorer? As far as first two to Madrid! Mari Gladia! <laughs> And good morning, evening, afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You are tuned in to the almost world-famous Wide Open Sportscast. Happy 4th of July from all of us. Um, once again, you can find us, the Wide Open Sportscast, on Twitter at WideOpen underscore sports. And don't forget that you can find us on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, and tuned in at Wide Open Sportscast. I am Feds, and joining me tonight is none other than the man, the myth, the legend himself. He is the current New York Liberty and New York Jets and college football beat writer for Elite Sports New York, and he's also the host of the Jets All The Way podcast, Mr. Jeff Magley-Shetty. Jeff, how you doing, bud? Sean, great to be here. Still pronounce my name right after all these years. How you doing tonight? Doing amazing, dude. I mean, hell, what can I say? I mean, I I guess just from knowing you for so long, it's so easy now. I still, like, I'll listen to some of your radio broadcasts sometimes, and people will be like, oh, Jeff Magliacchetti. I'm like, nope. (laughs) Nope. Oh, I love it. I love it. M-A-G-L-I-O-C-C-H-E-T-T-I. Oh, my God. You put that on the uh, script. If you put that on the scrubble board, I think you win the game automatically if it's on triple word box. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's perfect. Um, So... Jeff, obviously there's been a lot going on in the sports world this year. I know that we're going to get into a little bit about what you've been doing with the uh, WNBA, with the New York Liberty, and also we have a surprise for you guys at the very end, uh, something that Rick and I often talk about that Jeff was actually in attendance at that was really cool. But Jeff, where else can we really start here but with NBA free agency? Um, kicking off on July 1st. Woge bomb after woge bomb. Needed myself a bomb shelter. <laughs> um, but, I mean, come on. You've known me for how long now? There's only one place we can start. The new kings of New York. The Brooklyn Nets signing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to max contracts for four years. Um, they also took a small hit to their multi-million dollar, $30, $40 million a year contract to get DeAndre Jordan in there for another four years as well, making them a new super team in the East. Jeff, what did you think of these pickups? You know what? I think it's really, like you said, it is a turning of the tide in terms of New York sports, especially in the basketball landscape where, you know, the Brooklyn Nets can finally dominate the headlines. Now, look, I'm not saying that's going to happen. People love watching car wrecks and, you know, it's part of the reason why people flock to go see movies like the Rocky Horror Picture Show or The Room at Midnight because people love seeing... Transformers 6, oh my goodness, you know, 
<laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. I think it's what it's why people love watching the Transformers movies so much. People love explosions and they love watching things crash and burn and they love the it's so bad, it's almost good attitude. It's almost a piece of art in its stupidity. So that's why I think the Knicks still have the monopoly on basketball in this town for the time being. But if you want victorious winning fundamental basketball, then Brooklyn is the place to go right now. I mean, we haven't even talked about yet about Karis LeVert turning, returning yet. And I think this is going to be a big get for the Nets moving forward. Now, is this a team that right now without Durant is, uh, is can they challenge the big dogs of the East? And by big dogs right now, I mean Philadelphia and Milwaukee. Probably not. I don't want to say the defending champs in Toronto yet because I want to see what happens with the the Kawhi Leonard situation, don't we all? But I think that this team is one that could at least give those teams a challenge. But in a seven-game set, I still see them not being better than the Bucks or the Sixers at this point. It's also going to come down to can Kyrie is Kyrie Irving going to be happy in this surrounding with the Boston Celtics losing Kyrie is addition by subtraction in a sense, simply because he he created such a toxic environment up there. Now, the Celtics did a decent job this offseason as well. They had a good draft, and they brought in Kemba Walker to to play with that current squad right now. But still, they, they, they're still they're not a level yet either where they could beat the Sixers and the Bucks. And I'd like to see a couple head-to-head matchups with the Nets at this point. So that would, that's going to be one of the more intriguing matchups on the, w, on the NBA calendar next season, maybe even a Christmas game, and we'll party like it's 2002-2003. So I definitely think that this good changes... Times. <laughs> no, but I definitely think that just this changes the basketball atmosphere back, not just on the local level, but on the national level as well. I do expect, you know, a good season from the Nets next year, but in a sense, they're going to be playing with house money with these additions because right now everyone still expects Philadelphia and Milwaukee and Toronto again, if Kawhi comes back to dominate the East next year. So anything they do next year, provided they Pulled the, pulled the impossible task of missing the playoffs, a task that is down near impossible in today's NBA. If you have at least one superstar in the team, I think they're going to be set, and it's going to be an interesting team to see. I mean, they're definitely going to be a playoff team no matter what, I feel like, oh, in my opinion. I, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's you have to, you have to actively try to miss the playoffs in the NBA. This is It's bad enough that they invite 16 out of the 30 teams as is. And as a hockey fan, I can't even really talk because they invite 16 to 30 once. It's almost, it's almost the same thing. But at the same time, you have to actively try to be bad and miss the playoffs. We've seen how many, you know, 36 and 46, 39 and 43 teams make it in. And, you, you, you know, you have to actively try, especially if you have a star. You have to be on Knicks level pro- of proportions bad to miss the playoffs in the NBA, especially so consistently. So obviously they're going to make the playoffs. I don't even think that's that's a question. We should send that sound bit over to Stephen A. Smith. Um, but um, I do agree with what you said about how it's going to be a little bit of time before this team really comes into its own because yes. you, you're not going to have um, KD. I, I, w- I was trying to think and I was trying to talk myself out of it. And I, and I was like, it was funny you brought up Karis LeVert, best player on the Nets until he got hurt. And comes back, was our best player in the series against the Sixers. Yes, sir. And I, I think was, it's... I was sitting here thinking, like, he, the dude snapped his leg in half mm. and made it back. So mm. KD can make it back. But then you also have to realize with KD, I mean, we saw this, unfortunately, with Des Bryant, with the, uh, with the Saints, and how many other athletes is in a especially the Achilles injury. Mm. is such an important injury. Look at what happened with Boogie. He wasn't the same. 
And, yeah, look, um, ha- look happened to bring up another football example. Look what happened to Robert the Griffin, Griffin the third. Not only did he hurt that, not only did he get hurt there, but the team horribly mismanaged his injury and sidelined a fantastic career before it ever really truly got started. Now, do you believe that this could happen to Katie, or do you think Katie is going to come back the way he was before, give or take? We don't, we introduce him and we don't see him for another year. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm no doctor, so I can't really say. Um, I really can't say that. I can't really say. I can't really endorse. You know, putting a true medical opinion on KD at this point. And I think that this is an interesting in the sense that you know we don't know which KD we're going to get. He came back and looked decent in that one finals appearance, but nothing truly you know spectacular in the sense. And then later he just ends up tearing it even further. But I'm very interested to see what the Nets uh, training staff does in the sense that you know in the sense that they helped Karis LeVert get 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 heal up so quickly because we like you said we saw his like snap in half basically and basically he came back better than ever so i definitely think that it's going to be interesting to see what the nets medical staff can do it's way too early to tell if he's going to be you know the same kd we've grown to love and others have grown to hate but i think it's going to be interesting to see what where the nets are moving forward because they have a decent team as is i think a lot of people forget that with the great season that the nets had last year especially by their standards oh, in the yeah. sense that they made it to six to six uh to succeed in the east and they gave philadelphia a nice run for their money in the early going so i really don't i really think people forget that and forget how good this nets team was as it was before they made all these additions and whatnot. So I definitely think that, you know, as long as guys, you know, rise to the rolls, pick up the slack a little bit, this sh- they should be relatively fine. And you could get to a point where not winning at least one round of the playoffs would be a disappointment next season. And now I'm, I'm going to stay out of this question because I am a Nets fan. <laughs> so, no, go. Jeff, I'm going to leave this one to you. Without overreacting, because there's been so much overreacting all over the place, how bad is this actually for the Knicks? I mean, they oh. got Julius Randle. They got a few other decent pickups, um, a couple veterans that they signed. Obviously not what they wanted. They were saying Katie and Kyrie with Zion for how long. They struck out went 0 for 3. Um, what? How do you think this is going to play out for the Knicks? Is it really as bad as everyone's making it seem? It's bad definitely on paper because – all off season, we all season we had to hear basically, oh, it's okay, we're getting Zion. Oh, it's okay, we're getting Kyrie. Oh, it's okay, we're getting Durant. And to have them go to a rival in the same city, Knicks seasons had generally. Pl- I was not surprised in the slightest when they didn't get Irving or Durant because let's face it, Knicks seasons play out in an infinite loop Groundhog Day style because they'll go you know nineteen and sixty three, they'll go twenty two and sixty. And all year, Nick's all year, Nick's hands. Oh, we just lost by twenty to Charlotte. We we're down by thirty to uh, I I I don't know uh, Phoenix. No problem at all. We'll get the number one pick, and that big name free agent will sign on next year because we have New York, we have the Garden, we have all that kinds of stuff. And then you know the summer rolls around, and suddenly the Knicks say something along the lines of. Yeah, we might talk to Julius Randle. We might talk to Taj Gibson. And suddenly the expectations plummet. So I definitely think that while they got some nice role players in there, and they have a solid young core, uh, something I talked with uh, Nate Robinson about fairly recently, actually, the former Knicks uh, dunk, dunk legend, I think that you know they have a decent core going around. 
And, you know, they did bring in some decent role players, but nothing that's going to take away the sting of losing, of losing, you know, of missing out on this, on these great opportunities. Now, granted, you know that the NBA lottery, no matter what we say about it, it, it does come down to blind luck sometimes. And you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So there's really nothing you could have controlled there and missing out on Zion Williamson or John or John Morant. If RJ Barrett, is a consolation bro- consolation prize. That's a darn fine consolation prize to have. But in the sense that this does not look good from you know an outside standpoint, it's just not a good look for Knicks. And they pretty much lost this battle, in my opinion, with this Porzingis situation that happened to them this year. Because I hesitate very strongly at call- calling Kristaps Porzingis a superstar, but he was the closest thing the Knicks had to one a homegrown superstar, mind you. I know they had Carmelo Anthony for a time. A homegrown superstar since maybe Patrick Ewing. Maybe. I'm not I, I'm not really willing to go into the history and the schematics behind it, but let's just say that for argument's sake. And they got and, rid of him to open up this spot. Yeah. They got rid of Kyrie. To open up the spot and basically, you know, did all these behind-the-scenes the behind the deals and whatnot, operated behind his back, and basically to say – that basically I looked at that situation and went, now what self-serving established superstar with any dignity at all is going to look at that situation and go, oh yeah, sure, I want some of that. Nobody, nobody in their right mind would do that, especially if you're the KD or Kyrie Irving type. So I'm not surprised at all. And I really do think this does look bad from a Knicks standpoint. There's really not much you can say to defend it. Brooklyn. The Nets are back, baby. I'm having yeah. flashbacks. I was in my Jason Kidd jersey the other day. Easy, easy, Tiger. Remember what happened last time? Remember yeah. what happened last time? Cover Sports Illustrated. You got KG and Paul Pierce. So easy there a little bit. Easy. Now, you hit on how you believe that Kyrie leaving Boston and adding Kemba, it's an addition by subtraction. So let's go – before we go into – the question that every other single person in the world wants to know. Jimmy Butler finally, maybe finally finds a home in Miami. It was funny that he said in his high school yearbook, one thing I will never wear, it's a Miami Heat uh, uniform. <laughs> and now, my, 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 how the turntables. Um, I understood that reference and I love it. <laughs> so, do you believe that he's finally found a home in Miami? I really got to see a couple games with this Sixers, Miami team. Timberwolves, Bulls. Like, to, like, like I said, to be honest, I really got to see how this team operates as a whole right now, especially because they made a bit of a decent move in themselves. Not maybe, maybe not decent in the sense that you know it's going to help them win games next season, but in the sense that they traded Hassan Whiteside over to the Portland Trailblazers. I personally love that deal for the Blazers, who I think everyone and their mother is sleeping on in the Western Conference right now because I agree with we, have that. No, we have no idea what's going to go, what's going to happen with the Lakers just yet. I know they have LeBron and Anthony Davis, but you know, at, at some point, you know, you, they're going to have to take a rest and you're going to need guys to spell them. And right now, Oh, Kyle Kuzma's there too. And like, obviously they'll probably be a, they'll probably be a playoff team. I, I'm sure the NBA, even I'm sure the NBA won't allow them to miss the playoffs again, almost, but 
who knows if they're going to be of championship caliber. Now, Golden State, you know, the recurring meme was, you know, why even bother playing the games because Golden State's going to take it. But they're very much new look next season that they've traded a lot of key contributions from the championship teams, including Andre Iguodala. And we don't know how Clay Thompson is going to be after such a long absence. So Golden State, I'm still worried on at this point. This leaves the Blazers in the sense that, you know, they, they have the next big thing in Damian Lillard, who can be basketball's next, you know, quote-unquote face. He can, he can be that next superstar in a way. He can lead this team to further glory. And I think that, you know, they, they did a great job adding Whiteside. This is a team that also has C.J. McCollum. They did a great job this season. Uh, Josef Nurkic and whatnot. Yeah, Nurkic is in there. And I definitely think that uh, this team will be better. And Nurkic got hurt last year. Yusuf Nurkic, sorry. Um, he got hurt in the uh, conference final against Golden State. And a lot of people forget that they were winning a majority of those games. And, of course, you know, the fourth quarter was another story. But I definitely think that this team is one to watch and a team that could well, that could and maybe even should well be the favorite in the Western Conference next season. All I know is that, you know, there's finally some competitive balance in the NBA again. And it might worth, you know, keeping a closer eye on next season. Yeah, I, 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 I almost feel like Thanos saying "perfectly balanced" <laughs> as all things should be. <laughs> yes, the, most enjoyable. The NBA finally got snapped back to the way it was. Um, do you think Jimmy leaving is going to hurt the Sixers? I mean, I, they re-signed Tobias Harris. They got Al Horford from the Celtics. Um, I still obviously put them as one of the top teams in the East, alongside now Brooklyn. Milwaukee, Toronto, and I'll, I'll put Boston up there too because even with the talent that um, they have, I know that they underwhelmed last year, but I talked about this uh, last week. They're a very talented team, so I still consider Boston up there. Is losing Jimmy going to be a hit for the process? I don't think necessarily in the sense that I really never got the feeling that Jimmy Butler was, you know, quote-unquote committed to the so-called process. He never really was a quote-unquote true 76er in the sense. And, you know, there's a reason Jimmy Butler has bounced around so many teams in such a short amount of time that, again, I see this as an addition by subtraction move for the 76ers. So I don't think they'll miss him too much. And Miami's going to be an interesting case next year because – Jimmy Butler has center stage over there. They traded Whiteside. Dwayne, Dwayne Wade has retired. So that's his team, and it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. So for Philadelphia, I think this is, again, addition by subtraction. Mm-hmm. And now two more questions for you in the NBA. Um, yeah, yeah. I got to go to this one now because you'll never believe the update I just got. Go ahead. Um, the question the entire world wants to know hmm. Where is Boardman going? Will <laughs> the laugh, Blank? all the different nicknames that we have for him, will Kawhi be going to, which pretty much could be the Lakers or the Raptors, reports are that the Clippers are out of the running. Um, per the New York Post a few minutes ago, mm. the New York Knicks reportedly canceled their meeting with Kawhi because they were afraid they were going to miss <laughs> out on other people. Oh my goodness! I I the transformers well, of basketball, the shit show everyone wants to watch. 
Well, so, well, someone is getting whoever let that leak in the Knicks organization is getting fired because, again, to go back to your Knicks question, it's just not a good look when you say things like, "Oh, we didn't want to give Durant a uh, big enough deal because of the injury," and then you offer like a nice deal to Julius Randle, and you know that this this that just doesn't sound good. I understand why it's almost like, yeah, why why would Kawhi come here? But that's not something you want to be leaked. So. Someone from the New York That's Post is getting banned from the Garden. Yes. Um, yes. Now, Jeff, what do you? Where do you think Kawhi is going to go? And what do you think the outcome is going to be of him either joining the Raptors or joining the Lakers? If he well, goes not back joining, to Toronto, signing with the Raptors. If he goes back to Toronto, Kawhi Leonard can be a legend down there. Once he re-signs that potential deal, they will immediately start construction on the statues. They will immediately rename several streets in the city after him. They'll they'll rename the arena after him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, because he was a legend there. He finally got the Raptors over the hump. In one year, he made such an impact on that city. Now, he could go to Toronto over there and become immortal. And that's what I personally would do if I were him. Now, if he goes over to Los Angeles, uh, he is going to get – blame for he he'll probably get blamed for everything because you know he's not really a true part in a way of LeBron James's inner circle we all know Anthony Davis was so if the slightest thing goes wrong in LA he's going to be the one that gets blamed for it and it's also in the sense that he has you know established himself as you know the destroyer of dynasties you know it was his Spurs team that dealt the final blow to the to the LeBron James era Miami Heat it was also he who, de- who dealt the crushing blow to the Warriors dynasty, the Warriors monopoly over this league. So I just think that if he stays in Toronto, he can make a better name for himself over there and not go, you know, chasing chasing rings with LeBron and, a- and AD. So I think he should stay in Toronto. I think what's going to happen, he's going he's gonna to keep, I think he will go to Los Angeles, if only because it makes for the better storyline and whatnot. And he can get a couple more rings if he so desires. So, uh, if I were in his shoes, I'd go to Toronto or maybe even the Clippers before I went to Lakers. But I think it's going to be L.A. right now. Now, if he goes to the Lakers, a lot of people are claiming that the NBA is over. Like there, there are a lot of people out there who are saying the you know there's going to be no point in watching the NBA. It's going to go back to like how it was with the um, with the super teams again. Hmm. Do you think that that's really going to happen? Because here's my thing with the Lakers. All right, so even if they get Kawhi. Okay, yeah. what else you got? You have LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Kuzma. Name someone else on that team right now. Not name yeah, Jared no. Dudley. No, yeah, that's the problem right now with LA. Uh, like, so like do you I was really saying, think it would be over if if Kawhi goes to the Lakers and. The, the Lakers are going to be like that new Miami Heat, like the not one, not two, not three, or do you think that this is something completely different? I mean, I think it's a little bit different because uh, in the sense that, you know, we're dealing with a bit of an older LeBron James right now where he kind of does not have the influence he once had in Miami because they pretty much get were able to pick up all of the decent role players over there and get them and get them on their squad. I mean, we remember the Ray Allens, the, uh, the Christian Andersons and whatnot. That was LeBron James's influence, but you know, LeBron James for as much magic as he's made on the court, 
He has in turn and and off the court too because he's he's proven himself to be quite the uh, entertainer with the you know he's got about ten movies and shows in the in the in the pipeline right now. But it's gonna suck. All, but I'm going to Space Jam too. Yeah, I, I might I might wait for HBO on that one, quite frankly. But uh, <laughs> I, I I I mean as a uh, as a proponent of the WNBA, I'm very interested to see Diana Taurasi and the Ogumake sisters appear in that movie. But um. On the on the LeBron topic, um, he was he's he's for all the magic he's made on and off the court, his general manager hat seems to be a little, I don't know, inside out, just to, so to say, because you know, he has he's he hasn't assembled always the best teams. He showcases a frustration last season in L.A. and in his final seasons with Cleveland last year, and it's just like a lot of players I don't think want to play with LeBron too much anymore because. Let's face it. The LeBron apologists' favorite argument—they're—they're they're very flimsy. They're very—they're very, they're very uh, hypocritical and, and and confrontational in the sense that when a LeBron James-related team wins, oh, see, he did it all by himself. He's the goat. Blah 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 blah. When LeBron James' team loses, it's always well, he didn't have any help. You're just a hater. Blah 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 blah. So I definitely think that you know there is a there is a small sense of toxicity to playing with a LeBron James team right now. And will that come back to haunt the Lakers? Time will only tell. Jeff, I know that you and I could probably do a podcast that would last about five hours about why LeBron is not the greatest basketball player of all time. Oh, you betcha. <laughs> um, but I do agree with you in that sense, too. I'm, yes. I've been no secret to this about I think even though LeBron is a great talent, I do oh, think yeah, that course. who wants to play with him? He's a cancer. He is. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me LeBron no, is Look, it, there, there's one thing. It's okay. It's fine to be a LeBron fan. If you really think he's the greatest player of all time, more power to you. I mean, this is we, we live in America. We're celebrating the fact that we can have opinions like this no matter how ludicrous. So if you think LeBron is the greatest player of all time, more power to you. I find the concept, however – ludicrous in the sense that you know we never saw this amount of controversy with the jordan with the jordan years it's not like anyone ever said i didn't want to play with jordan and let's face it jordan was not the easiest guy to get along with so with lebron it's it's very it's very much all about him in a way and it's just it's just not a good environment he's he's toxified things a little bit and you'd be naive obviously to be like oh lebron stinks i don't like him but you know at this at the same time I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing anything here that says he's the greatest of all time. So that's all. That's that's what I got to say about that. I second everything you just said. Okay. Um, and, and lastly, before we get into some stuff you've been doing with the Liberty, Clay Thompson obviously agreed to a huge deal with the Warriors. He claimed he's a Warrior for life, and the Warriors also got our own uh, D'Angelo Russell in a trade that actually got the Nets another first round pick. Sean yeah, Marks, that's right. When you we trust. Oh, Is this really the end of the Warriors dynasty? No, not yet. In the sense that the Warriors, it's going to be like the New England Patriots. And I'm sure you, and yes, your team, the Philadelphia Eagles, they have experience in beating the Patriots. But Woo! here's the thing. Here's the thing about the Patriots dynasty. 
Every time Tom Brady throws an incomplete pass, we get about a million think pieces, a billion tweets. Oh, the Patriots dynasty is over. And that fuels the whole, you know, the Patriots underdog narrative. Ludicrous as as that may be, it gives them permission to roll with it. So until I see a team in the Western Conference take down the Golden State Warriors, I will not be convinced that that dynasty is over because – Let's face it, whereas Kyrie Irving kind of sullied his reputation both on the court and off with the Boston Celtics, D'Angelo Russell did a great job of reclaiming his NBA narrative with the Brooklyn Nets. He left Los Angeles under a flurry of controversy in a way. There was the whole thing. He was, um, he was, I believe he was the one who was uh, recorded, you know, saying some gross things about cheat about cheating on his wife. He was the Iggy Azalea one, the, the Iggy yeah, Azalea he was case. all over the place on the Lakers. Yes, yes, he was. And, you know, he was a casualty of GM LeBron taking over. And, you know, he went to Brooklyn. And when Levert went down, he established himself as a leader, as a type of guy who you could trust, who you can flow through this team with. As he goes, the team goes. So I definitely think that he's going to be a new layer to this Golden State Warriors team. Now, what concerns me is the fact that they gave up, they pulled the plug on Andre Iguodala so quickly. So I'm interested to see how this small Warriors lineup, which will be complete with Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell and Clay Thompson, I'm eager to see how this all meshes with a bit of a smaller lineup, especially with other bigs coming back, and especially when your bigs are going to be guys like Draymond Green and Kevin Looney. So I'm definitely interested to see what this team does. But until I see a team in the Western Conference win four games against the Warriors in the spring, I cannot effectively call their dynasty over. Does DeMarcus Cousins have a place on the on the team? I certainly think he does. It just depends on what the Warriors want to do because, you know, the concept of a dominant big man is somewhat dying in today's NBA because it's really become a league that's, you know, worships the three-pointer in a way. I know I sound, you know, kind of like a grouchy old man right now. I don't necessarily, you know, hate the concept. The, the, the point of basketball is you know score more points than the other team and obviously three-pointers do a decent job of that so um i i definitely think that you know the big man center has kind of lost its way in the nba it's not as big of an emphasis on teams like if you put Shaq in today's nba i mean history he'd average 45 to 50 points a game because he's so big he's so strong and he would just keep jamming it in there and you know i don't think teams you know prepare and breed guys like that anymore. Hassan Whiteside was a bit of a welcome exception. Why I think he gives the Portland Trailblazers a bit of an edge over there. So I need to see just a team. I need to see. So I do think Boogie Cousins, to answer your question, does have a spot in the team in that he can be that interior presence that most teams would love to have and frankly need in a game where so many shots are being put up and clanking off the rim. It could become huge to get those second chance opportunities. And I think Cousins can achieve that for you. So I do think he has a spot on this team because, again, until someone in the West beats them, the Warriors dynasty is not over. Now, could we see the 2019 NBA Finals as a bit of a turning point, like the beginning of the end in a way, like we've seen so many times with the New England Patriots? I'm trying to think of a of another dynasty, perhaps, that started to go south. Like the Shaq and – like everyone sees the end of the Shaq and Kobe uh, dynasty. Everyone sees that probably – what, what was it? The the 04, pro, probably the 04 finals when the Detroit, when Ben Wallace and the Detroit Pistons ran him off the court. We knew that right. was kind of pretty much the end there. And we see it to the, we, we, we kind of didn't know at the time it was, but it 
it's generally acknowledged that that was the point of no return. The 2019 finals could be that for the Warriors dynasty, but until I see differently, I can't. I cannot condone call it, uh, putting a uh, bookend on the Warriors dynasty just yet. Very well done, Mr. Jeff. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you, Mr. So that is our stuff on the NBA. Again, you can find us on Twitter at wideopen underscore sports. You'll, you'll be sure that whenever uh, Kawhi decides to stop laughing in his jammies and decides to tell us where he's playing, we'll be breaking that. Um, hmm. uh, so if you heard at the top of the show, Jeff has been a great beat writer for the WNBA team, the New York Liberty, over this is your second season now, correct? Second season with the team, and uh, Sean, Sean, calm down. You're making me blush over here. I know your audience can't see it, but you're making me blush. Come on. I know. Um, so, Jeff, <laughs> how have things been with the Liberty? Oh, very much. Look, first of all, win or lose, I'm very blessed to cover this team. I've really become, you know, somewhat close to them up there, and you know, they're they 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 play some great basketball, and they're just great approachable people as well. So, I'm ve- I, I'm very much enjoying my time over there. They've done a great job. And they're actually on a bit of a hot streak right now. Last season, you know, they were a bit in professional basketball purgatory in the sense that, you know, the Madison Square Garden Company had lost faith in them. They put them up for sale. And this was after they had posted the best record in the WNBA's Eastern Conference over the past, over the previous three seasons, so 2015 to 2017. And they were in some they were in some basketball purgatory in the sense that they weren't even, weren't even sure if they'd be in New York in the in, in the upcoming season. And, you know, they struggled on the court. They were moved from Madison Square Garden to the cozy Westchester County Center up in White Plains, New York. A cozy about seats at most 2,500 up there on a good day. So I definitely think that, you know, they were kind of affected by that. And it led them to a franchise worth 7-27 and record last year. But now hope has arisen in, in the form of a second overall pick. Asia Durr has come over from the University of Louisville. She's done a good job for them so far in her rookie role. Kia Nurse, best known for her defensive specialist talents, over at UConn at the power at the powerhouse over in stores. She has transformed herself into a reliable score to and is moved into the top 10 of WNBA scoring. So, and the best part about this Liberty squad right now, they're currently six and seven. They got off to an O and four start, but have now won six of their past nine and are now tied at the time of this recording. They are tied for the final playoff spot in the WNBA standings right now. So what's interesting in this sense is that the Liberty are very much undermanned right now. Four players have absconded over to Europe to partake in the FIBA Eurobasket women's competition. Amanda Zowie B is competing with Sweden, she, she, and they'll play, tomorrow, they'll play on July 4th in the quarterfinals, as will France, who boasts uh, Bria Hartley and Marine Johannes, who is a rookie from France, and she, and her to, and she uh, was signed by the Liberty as an international free agent this offseason. And one more, Kia Stokes was over at Turkey, who has since eliminated but she could probably return to the team on Friday when they play the Phoenix Mercury on the road. So what's interesting, the Liberty have won six of their past nine, and a good majority of these games have come without the services of these four women and also without the services of veteran reserve guard Rebecca Allen, who's in about her fifth or sixth season from Australia. So, And she's done a great job on the, defense, on the defensive standpoint. She's had some good shooting nights, so... It's very impressive what this New York Liberty team has been able to do. They are under new ownership, purchased by Joe Tesai, the minority owner of the Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, and 
founder and CEO of the Alibaba Group. So, you know, he's done a fantastic job for himself. He also, his Alibaba Group owns the South China Morning Post, which was ranked by Chinese experts as the most reliable morning newspaper in Hong Kong. So, you know, he's just done a great job. He's been, he's, he, he was very sincere about his enthusiasm for this team. He more or less made a dedication to them at the on at, at the uh, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Let's just say the beginning of his tenure when he purchased the team back during the winter. He made a commitment to New York, and it's really going to play for the liberty and the city's benefits. So I'm very hopeful about the future and eager to see what this team can do next. They'll play Phoenix on Friday, July 5th on the road, and then come home to Westchester County Center on July 7th against Las Vegas. And now. Jeff, you've been with the WNBA for two years now, and it's obviously no secret the WNBA has seen some great growth over the last few years. You got a team in Vegas now, the Aces. What do you think has been a contributing factor to the growth of the WNBA over these past few years? Frankly, I think the players have done a great job of marketing themselves and doing a great job getting involved in things both on and off the court. The WNBA has done a great job with their off-court initiatives. Players are always you know, talking about causes that are important to them, important to this country at the time, and they've definitely done a great job of establishing a name for themselves. And it helps that the on-court play has been very good as well. There's been some nice offensive performances out there. They've done a good job. And let's face it, at the end of the day, sometimes you know, so a, a little help from their friends at the NBA does help in the long run. So I definitely think that this is a, this is a sport that's on the rise. It's it's getting more mainstream. I think you can thank several factors for that. It's women's sports in general, I believe. It's a tide that started changing with the United States uh, women's hockey team back during the Olympics uh, sometime back. I think they kind of got the ball rolling, and now you see more and more people tuning in. It's becoming more, for lack of a better term, mainstream. And, and, you know, we're seeing bars now filled up with watching the U.S. women's soccer team. So I'm very I'm very keen to see where the future goes. And I think the and I think it's nothing but bright for the WNBA. I mean, our, our women's soccer team is the number one selling soccer jersey in the world right now. And rightfully so. Rightfully so, because let's face it, I have, I have so much. Maybe it's because I maybe it's because they have more wins, but. You know, I I very much enjoy watching them play over the men. I think the camaraderie with the t- excuse me, I think the camaraderie of the team has been so much better than the men. They do a great job over there, and I'm eager to see what's next. The men struggled to get a one nothing win over Curacao, Ooh. a country I had to Google search. Oh dear, where it's located in the Caribbean. Fatima, you don't know that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to fail you for geography on that one. I know, right? I, I, had, I had to memorize every island in the Caribbean for um, oh my Caribbean history in college. Oh, my. Oh, my. Caribbean history in college. My goodness. Yeah, it's actually very interesting, and I got 100 on the map test, so I knew where hey, – At some you. point, I knew where every single island in the Caribbean was. I knew God where – I could man. tell you exactly where it was. Cur- Curacao is directly north of Venezuela. Uh, well, you know what, to be honest. a colony of Denmark, of um, the Netherlands. To, to be honest, until maybe somewhat recently, maybe when I was in my teenage year, I kept on calling I kept on calling Curacao Caraco. So, I <laughs> so, oops. <laughs> Jeff, with your soccer knowledge, I'm still so impressed that you knew what White Hart Lane was, and that just made my week. <laughs> still hoping it's a, I can get you over to the good world of soccer. You think the women uh, are going to do it against the Dutch? I do think so. I do think so. I think they. I think they have a solid chance, and you know, team unity is at an all-time high right now. And 
I just got to say, I don't mind their antics at all. You know, we saw Alex Morgan mimicking the cup of tea against England. I don't have any problem at all with that. Just like I have no problem with this is a this is a country where people loudly demand that MLB quote let the kids play, and they go wild every time an NFL defense breaks out into a choreographed dance number whenever they stop a two yard gain. So why are we drawing the line here? Why are we getting annoyed at this? I think it's wrong, and I think I think the backlash behind it is wrong. And if you do have a legit gripe with it, fine, so be it. But you better not you better not start belly aching when you know the Carolina bunch of jerks Hurricanes does their thing at the ice of the end of the year. Just be consistent. That's all I ask. Besides for the 2018 um, first round, the round of 16 for the English men against Colombia, name me a better duo than England international soccer team than penalty kicks. I I. Guy, that's 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 that that one's above my head. Come on, I'm, it, it, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, England has a long, long historic history of losing in World Cup games on penalty kicks or because they missed penalty kicks. See, see, I did not know that. I totally forgot about that. And very long. Je- see, Jeff, you ever heard "It's Coming Home" before by um, the, the English song? Like when the English were going and they made it to the semis of the World Cup, everyone was saying "It's Coming Home." Yeah, yeah. I, it's, a, I, I, it's a whole song about how, you know, they've been hurting for so long. England's last major trophy was in the 1960 World <laughs> Cup. And it's like, oh, football's coming home because obviously it was born in England. It's like, you know, it's, we've been waiting. It's coming. It's coming. And they're still oh. waiting. Oh, I get it. I get it. I mean, uh, again, you're not talking to – you're not talking to Landon Donovan here. So that, that goes outside my area of expertise, unfortunately. Our men are about to kick off against Jamaica. God bless them. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, so, Jeff, let's bump into something I know for a fact is not going to go over your head. I um, don't want to get into this one, but it's okay. Uh, NHL way. free agency. What are your thoughts on the bread man in the garden? You know, I'm very pleased with that because, let's face it, for the Henrik Lundqvist era in New York is going on. It's going to be, what, 14 years, maybe 13 this season. And the one thing that's truly been missing has been a consistent score to get this poor guy some help when he's facing 40 to 50 shots a game. And Artemi Panera can finally be that guy. And this this rebuild has just been so great to see from the New York Rangers in the sense that in February 2018, this organization was blunt with its fan base. They released a letter over social media, an open letter to the fan base, and they basically, they basically said, in I'm obviously paraphrasing here, we're going to trade people you like, and we're going to lose games. We're all doing this in the pursuit of another Stanley Cup. And lose they did, and trade names they did. Gone was Rick Nash. Gone was Ryan McDonough. Gone was JT Miller. Gone was Matt Zuccarello. I mean, my goodness, Matt, Matt, when they traded Zuccarello, you thought it would be trading Eddie. You thought it was like trading Jockham, Eddie Jockerman all over again. People were... People were up in arms over this, and people are still up in arms in some places about this, about trading Zuccarello. But Jeff Gordon has done a fantastic job in navigating this free agency period and this and, and this offseason. They have a sh- they the, the Rangers were actually winning some some games last season, and you know there was a sense that this rebuild was going quicker than anticipated. You know, of course there was you know the occasional no show, but there were plenty of games where the Rangers held tough with a strong opponent, maybe squeaked out a win from time to time. And, 
you know, it was just good to see from a young rebuilding team like that because I think that's all you can really ask for from a rebuild as long as you, you know, obviously don't quit, don't tank. That's That that concept is just dumb, and I fought pretty much – I got into so many civil wars with Ranger fans last season who wanted them to intentionally lose. Well, intentionally lose. Well, I got news for you. If they don't win that last game of the regular season against Pittsburgh on my birthday, as a matter of fact, if Ryan Strom doesn't score that game-winning goal in overtime against Pittsburgh – they maybe don't end up with the number two pick and bring in Capo Caco. So, you know, he's he's around here. And I think Jeff Gordon's prowess has been excuse me. I think Jeff Gordon's prowess was per, was on display perfectly with the Jacob Truba trade because, you know, the the Jets wanted a lot more for him. They wanted a couple first rounders. And they wanted, uh, I forget who it was, but they wanted someone key to the Rangers' chances and, and someone who could play into their future. They wanted, uh, I think for, I think Philip Keitel, as a matter of fact. I could be wrong about that. Do not quote me on that. But Gordon was able to get it down to a first-round pick and Neil Pionk, who basically had, you know, had kind of ex- hit his... New York ceiling and the first pit and the first round pick was one that was one that they had acquired from the Jets in the first place. The one in which they sent Kevin Hayes over to the Jets. So the 20, 20th, 21st overall pick. And with the Panarin deal, you know, there were rumors that Panarin wasn't going to accept a penny less than 12 million a year. The Rangers and Gorton were able to trim that number to 11.6 million. So you have to admire what the Rangers have been able to do. We're less than two years removed from that letter, and already you're seeing some fantastic signs of progress. You're going to make us pay a hell of a lot of money to keep Taylor Hall. I'm telling you. Oh, that. you betcha. <laughs> so, so thanks. Um, obviously, this was a great move in my sense of things because we got. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. P.K. Subban. Oh, um, that was that was a tremendous deal for the Devils. They basically gave a move by the Devils. Oh my goodness, where 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 are they? Where are they? Who who are they trading with? I mean, you get Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. I mean, P.K. Subban, you basically got for for a bag of pucks. I mean, good lord, man! But play the, put the was like our only main player. Yeah, put the put. What I'm saying is, put the to, turn turn on the trade override in your franchise mode, kid. Yeah, and for real, right? <laughs> The other day was the uh, it's a it's a one for one. It was the anniversary. Of, oh, um, I know, I Larson saw that. Even, even I, as a Ranger fan, I couldn't help but laugh at that. That was such a laughably bad trade. That was committing robbery left and right. Last last, last time I saw a robbery go that one sided. When when the last when's the last time the Sopranos aired? My goodness. Oh, yeah, man. for real, right? Just finished season one today of that actually. Okay, I just. I just I just did my duty as a North as an Italian American living in North Jersey and been, and finally went through that series. Most enjoyable. Yeah, I'm almost. I've, I've got a few more seasons to go, but that'll be held up by Stranger Things. Um, yes. Matt Duchesne to the Predators. That's where I was trying to get because obviously it worked out for the Devils because we had to take on his contract so the Predators could get Duchesne. But you get I understand because you had that legendary, absolutely loaded Predators defense. Um, that was already there. So I understand them moving PK so they can get some more offensive firepower. What did you think of the Duchesne move? You know, I think that that helps Nashville, obviously, because what happened was that their their offense kind of failed them in the late stages. So I like what they did with that. So Nashville, Nashville disappointing as this season was, you know, 
failing to get out of the first round, being beaten by Matt Zuccarello and the Dallas Stars. I think that they won't be going anywhere anytime soon. I think they've established something good in there. I think their goaltending situation has also presented themselves well because uh, Pecorino still going good in his late 30s, and they just signed Juicy Soros to a reasonable long-term extension. So I don't think the Predators are going anywhere anytime soon, and that only exacerbates with Matthew Shane in tow. And now let's uh, put the gift wrapping on every Columbus Blue Jacket fan's nightmare. Um, Sergei Bobrovsky to the Panthers. Well, the, the thing is about the Florida Panthers, I'm, every year I look at Florida, I think every year since they played the Devils in that, in that 2012 first-round series, went seven games, quite, quite a fun series. And it was yeah. like, it, it was the Devils, it was the Devils' Very, first uh, step. Familiar name for you of uh, scoring the game seven overtime winner, Adam Henrique. Oh yeah, please let's not let's not go there. But <laughs> but um no, it was a, it was the first step to their latest Stanley Cup trip. But let's face it, the the '80s Oilers themselves weren't beating the LA Kings that year. That's that was still quite a run on their end. I mean, my goodness. But um every time I've seen the Florida Panthers, I always look at this team and go, okay, this is the year they break out. This is the year they break out. This is the year they break out because there's so much fun young talent on this team and. It's like it's like Soprano slash Godfather three. Every t- just when I thought just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in because they did that with Joel Quinville and they brought in Sergey Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky was not the move I would have made. I personally would have tried to go after Robin Lenher, who had a fantastic year with the New York Islanders. So I would have gone after him rather than Bobrovsky. So I'm very tense. I want to put the Panthers in the playoffs, but I just don't want to get burned again. But you know, of course, I got it. Let, let's go through the entire NHL offseason for it. So let's put a bit of a moratorium on NHL predictions right now because I do have a bit of a moratorium on football predictions in the sense that I never make them before both the NHL and NBA finals are over. So I'm putting a bit of a moratorium on my hockey predictions right now. So I, I'm sorry. I must avoid the Florida Panthers question right now. So then I'll hit you with the Blue Jackets question. Are they doomed? Maybe not doomed in the sense that, you know, they'll lose every game because if they do, John Tortorella is going to get busted for some uh, human rights violations. <laughs> when he does that squad. Um, but he, he, he knows how to motivate. Let's just leave it at that. But I, it, if, a, if a team is going to fall outside of the Eastern Conference playoff picture, it's going to be the Blue Jackets. And I know they had that good run. They beat they, – swept the mighty Tampa Bay Lightning and you know Torts he's done a good job with that team but at this point if, if I'm picking one gun to my head I'm picking one team to fall out of the Eastern Conference uh playoff bracket like that they had this year it's probably going to be a Blue Jackets because there's still some good pieces on this team you, you, you got Cam Atkinson in there they just brought in uh, Gustav Nyquist from Detroit and Eunice Corposalo had a solid season in that but right now and Nick Foligno of course is returning as captain but if but again, gun to my head, Blue Jackets are the one are the team with the best chance to fall out of the bracket. I say. Now let's jump over to a player who actually stayed. Congratulations, the New York Islanders! They didn't lose your captain for the second year in a row. <laughs> um, what do you think of the Anders Lee deal? A lot of people are not liking the move. I mean, I felt it was something. It felt something in the. It felt like the Islanders were, you know, almost compensating for something. 
uh, in the sense that you know they didn't want to lose that captain again. That they wanted to um, they wanted to keep a beacon of hope in a way, keep someone who had played such a huge role in the resurrection of Islanders hockey. So I can't really fault them for making the move, but at the same time, you have to look at it and go, was it really that necessary? Because look, as a Rangers fan, I would have loved to, I would have loved to get Anders Lee somehow, but you know, they're running low on cap space as is. And I heard it was down to uh, the Islanders and Montreal as is. So I definitely think that, um, you know, this was a move the Islanders kind of had to make in order to assure the fan base, like, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be relatively fine in the sense. So I don't love it. I don't hate it. I think it's, I think it's okay. Let's see what happens once we put on the skates. Now, this was a surprise move for me. A guy who had the opportunity to completely finish out his entire career with one team and chose to head to the Lone Star State, Joe Pavelski off to the Dallas Stars from the Sharks. Yeah, I have a feeling, look, I have a feeling that I'm going to be putting a Joe Pavelski Stars sweater next to, I don't know, a Timu Solani Avalanche jersey. I know he played for multiple Martin teams. Brodeur Blues jersey. That, that's a much, that, that is a much better example. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I think it's a decent move for Dallas. I think Pavelski still has a little bit left in the tank. And I think he could be serve as a great veteran mentor to the relatively young roster that Dallas still possesses. So the, the move works in that sense. But, you know, if you're really expecting for the, if you're really expecting Pavelski to put Dallas over the pump, I think you're going to be in for a bit of a disappointment personally. Mm-hmm. And this is a player that you had just actually brought up. Uh, when we were talking about, um, uh, what you call it, the Rangers. Yes. Matt Zuccarello to the Wild. No, they're, they're, they're going to love him over there. I'll put it this way. It's good that Minnesota is writing his checks rather than the Rangers at this point. Because, look, here's the thing about Matt Zuccarello. Matt Zuccarello had, uh, had the heart of a lion, you know. He was affectionately referred to as the Hobbit in New York. And he, he was a little guy that never backed down from a challenge. I think... The bet, one of the best photos I ever seen in hockey is, you know, they're playing the Boston Bruins and, you know, Boston was crowding the net. Matt Zuccarello goes up to Zdeno Chara and pretty much tells him to buzz off. So I think Zuccarello was a guy, was a, he was a guy that had the heart of a champion. Everyone loved him. But let's face it, he wasn't the type of guy who was going to change your, he was going to be the one who changed your team around in all these directions. That's why I was so shocked that Ranger fans were, you know, this upset over Zook leaving in a sense. And, you know, some people felt the return for Zuccarello to the Dallas Stars was a little small. A second and a third rounder, which could have, be, which could have become first rounders if certain conditions were met. They were not. Dallas had to advance to the Western Conference Finals and for one and for the other, Zook had to re-sign with the team. But the fact that that... that Gordon, it's another win for him in the sense that they were able to get Dallas to add first-round caveats in the first place. Matt Zuccarello, based on his production alone in the stats categories, not worth a first-round pick. A second and a third-round pick, that is just right value for him. Just like the fairy tale, that's just right. So I definitely think that, you know, I wish him luck in Minnesota, looking to see what he does. Maybe he could sign a one-day contract with the Rangers in the future to, in the future. To retire as a blue shirt, but for for the t- for the time being, this is a good. It, it's again addition by subtraction for the Rangers. And now, lastly, Jeff, mm. I'm still getting used to this one, dude. Oh like, yeah. Like like like, 
This it's still like weird. I'm like still trying to figure out my feelings for this. Mm -hmm. Wayne Simmons is a New Jersey Devil. (laughs) I have spent my entire life as a Devils fan with one mission: hating Wayne Simmons. No, I can't say I blame you. I mean, um, that price tag was a little—it was a little high for my taste. One year, five million. I was hoping the Rangers didn't get him. It would be such an early two thousands Rangers type move to go after. You know, a—he's not technically past his prime. He still could give you some decent games, but I'm glad the Rangers didn't make that move. I mean, he—he he again can be someone who's a good veteran mentor to a relatively young team at this point, especially to the incoming number one pick, Jack Hughes. So I definitely think that, you know, he and Subban can really mentor the young guys, you know, get them up to speed a little bit. It should be interesting to see, but no, I, de- I definitely, I definitely agree with you. It's like, I feel like he's going to help. Like, yes. Yeah. I understand he just had a bad season with the predators. No, I get it. I get it. You know, I, I get like, the sense of it being weird too. You're, you're talking to someone who had to watch, Johnny Damon torched the Yankees in 2004, then come win a World Series for them in 09. So, and Roger Clemens, uh, almost the same thing. He didn't have the World Series coming with him, but he came to Boston in uh, uh, 90, he came to New York in 99. So, you know, I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly what it is. But let's let's face it: when you're on the right side of the scoreboard, you won't give you won't care diddly poo about it. To quote. Jim Mora. So I, I almost feel like it's like Sean Avery in a devil's uniform. <laughs> well, 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 well uh, uh, Simmons, pesty as he may be, at least has more of a hockey skill sense to him. I agreed. Say. He is he is a very good player. Like I'm not gonna lie, it is I hated him because it seemed like every single time there was a Devils Flyers game, it's like up oh, Wayne Simmons is punching someone again. Of <laughs> like, course, of course. But I, I feel like that's something the Devils need. Like, I agree with you that him and Subin, I think, are going to be great additions. And if if Simmons works out for us, awesome. Great. Mm. Cool. If he doesn't, whatever, I still hate him anyway. There you go. There you go. As he will said, be wearing you have nothing, the... You have nothing to lose. He will be wearing the infamous number 17, though. <laughs> 17. So, so, so let me ask, who's, uh, who's retire- whose jersey retirement ceremony is getting canceled in, in that case? Michael Ryder. <laughs> no, I, 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 I always love doing that. Come I always on, you should know this. Who was our number 17? <laughs> well, I know who it is. Well, <laughs> he who shall not be named. Matt Kenseth? Kovalchuk. I, I know. I'm just I'm being sarcastic. I'm, I know. I know. I'm, look, I'm looking up the great 17s in Devil's History right now. I was trying to get – I was hoping you didn't say it. I was going, I was going to go through the list. I was going to say people like – let's see, Peter Sikora, Christian Berglund. See, Sakura, uh, yeah. Sakura is probably, in my opinion, the best devil to wear seventeen. From, from a from a homegrown standpoint, yes, I agree with that. But how can we also forget uh, the great Pat Maroon, Ben Walter, Darren Langdon? Jeez, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, before we wrap up with what I want you to talk about, because I think it was really, really cool. All I'm going to say is this. No, go ahead. Jack Hughes, number 86. P.K. Subban, number 78. Mm. How does Lou Lamarillo sleep at night looking at those numbers on the back of Devil's jerseys? Well, 
86 minus 76 is 10, which is the number Artemi Panarin picked. So I'm well pleased about that. For those of you that don't know, when Lou Lamarillo was literally yes, running right. the Devils like the Yankees of hockey. No oh, numbers right. above 30 besides the goalie. And no Devil until Michael Camilleri wore number 13. That's right. That's right. So that has been our free agency talk. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. Again, this awesome is the Wide good. Open Sports Cast. You can find us at Wide Open Sports on Twitter. And don't forget, we're on Google Play, iTunes, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. But before Jeff and I sign off for the week, Jeff had a really cool experience. And I was texting him about Jeff. Where were you when you were at the Montclair State University? I was over at Montclair State University recently for the XFL New York Summer Showcase. And I got to say, Sean, I'm very excited about covering the uh, XFL New York team. It should be a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that you're officially going to be covering that team. That's awesome. Yeah, that's right. I, uh, I was over at uh, the introductory press conference in which the XFL New York team introduced Kevin Gilbride as their new head coach. They're in the process of filling out the staff now. Team names, I was told, should be released later this month. So definitely something to look forward to on the calendar right there. I'm going to have you spoil it for everybody. Are we getting the hitmen back? Uh, you are not getting the hitmen back. I was flat out told. We're oh. trying to move forward. We're not bringing back incarnations of the – we're not bringing back 2001 incarnations. We're trying to move forward here. No so. Memphis Maniacs or – Las Vegas no, Outlaws. no, there will, <laughs> there will not be. There will not Orlando be. Orlando <laughs> Extreme. I'll, I'll put it this way: it, it's almost like inviting back uh, Topher Grace to play Venom in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It <gasps> would not. <laughs> yeah, I went there. Damn, go see Spider-Man. Spider-Man was really, really cool. Um, Jeff, who stood out to you? Any uh, former players that were there? I know of one. Yes, yeah, Hakeem Nix was in attendance and. From what it looks like, the kid, the guy still got it. He did a great job over there, and he actually said it was Eli Manning that convinced him to, you know, take another crack at it, go back into another league, maybe make another NFL comeback. Nick's last NFL experience, he tried to make the Saints roster a couple of years back, I think in 2014-15, but he didn't make the regular season roster. Now he's back, and he's catching. And he was catching footballs in New Jersey with an eight on his on his jersey. He was wearing the number eight on his uh, training shirt, but you know somehow it just felt right. So I'm very interested interested to see what happens. Just to clarify, if you're on the summer showcase rosters for No Matter City, it doesn't mean you have you know priority over these guys. It just means that you know these guys happen to be from the area. There were a lot of Rutgers guys. There are a few Mammoth guys, people from Fordham too, as a matter of fact. So. Where their last experience was, that closest to the where closest to whatever XFL city you were in, that's what summer showcase you were you go to. There there is a draft schedule to happen, not scheduled just yet, but it will happen later this fall. Now, last thing, did you hear anything about nicknames on the back of the jerseys yet? <laughs> will we be getting a he hate me? <laughs> Don't don't count on it. Do not count on it. Just, that, that's all I'm going to say. Don't count on it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Wide Open Sportscast. Uh, make sure you guys all enjoy your uh, 4th of July. Um, no Stranger Things spoilers, please. I'll be watching it uh, Friday all day. Ooh. So do not ruin that 
for us. Um, but we do hope you do enjoy watching um, our favorite American tradition, watching Joey Chestnut win the uh, hot dog eating contest. Woo! USA, baby. Dude, that I watched that 30 for 30 today. F- phenomenal. Good. It was very good, dude. It makes you realize about... I mean, obviously, Joey's my dude. Met him. Drank with him at a bar when he was doing a promo for the pork roll eating contest here. That was amazing. (laughs) But it makes you realize how much losing to him actually absolutely ruined Kobayashi's life. That's interesting. Like, when, when you watch it, it talks about, like, how obsessed he was with, like... Like, he literally was here and was like, I am Major League Eating. Mm-hmm. I am a god. And then when he lost, he was like, oh, it's okay. People are still going to love me. But then all of a sudden, everyone's like, Joey, USA, USA. He was like, "Yeah, crap. You know, I got to say, I never knew that stuff went deep. But I'm looking forward to I'm going to check that out. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely um, check that out. So, oh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Feds. Jeffrey. Oh, and I am Mags. Awesome. Thank you guys for joining us. Enjoy your 4th of July. God bless the United States of America. Amen, brother. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Thank my lucky stars to be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly Still today, cause there ain't no doubt.